You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Good morning, good morning, everybody. (laughs) So happy to see all of your faces this morning. And it's a good morning, not just because of new outfits and extra family, but of what we're here to celebrate this morning, right? So I'm going to start off with um, the story of Easter from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. The passage for the sermon this morning is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to read that now. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kara. Well, happy Easter. How's everybody doing? Are you excited for this morning? Awesome. My name is Bill Vecchio. I'm one of the pastors and elders here, and we are so excited to dive into this morning, into this passage of scripture. And um, have you ever even stopped for a moment just to ask what is Easter? Like, why in the world does the entire world stop on this day to celebrate something? Because there's, there's conflicts of why we would celebrate Easter today. See, the world, what it does is it tries to combat what the truth is with something 
alternative with something different. So, so here's what we see. We know Christmas time is for the birth of Jesus, right? The world over celebrates that. And so we see this picture of, of the birth of Jesus, and, and this is the picture that, that the Lord has created humanity to have in their minds when that time comes around. I was actually trying to explain to my daughter last night, we were sitting in her bed, telling her that um, December 25th is not actually Jesus' birthday. Like, it's that we, we remember his birthday on December 25th, but we don't actually know because they didn't have iPhones back then. They didn't keep track like we keep track now in the same way. So it is a remembrance of his birthday. And she's like, huh? All right? And, but, but this is the picture that God wants us to have in our mind because this is what happened. But then the world combats it. This is what the world combats it with. Here's the next picture. This is it. Like, this is their response to God himself coming down from heaven to be born of a virgin as a baby into our mess. This is how they respond. A jolly old man in a red suit with some presents. And when we compare and contrast those things, it would be foolish for us to even think that, that oh yeah, we should celebrate one, this one, over the other one. Or Easter, right? What's the, the picture of Easter that we should have in our minds when today comes around? When we wake up in the morning, when, when our eyes open, the first thing that we should think about is what? The empty tomb. That he no longer is in a tomb conquered by death, but that he himself conquered death. That the creator of the universe defeated the thing that was standing in the way between us and God. And so what does the world try to combat that with? Here's the picture. A bunny who poops candy. <laughs> and some eggs that you open up and, and find melted chocolate. It's foolishness. So the question today is, is very important on why we are coming here to celebrate Easter. Because it's not about spring coming or about Easter bunnies, but it's about a person. And his name is Jesus. But who is this man named Jesus? Because if we, if, we, if we miss that up, then, then we get this whole thing wrong. If you Google him, he's all over the inter internet as one of the most influential people of all time. So, Sometimes I think when we go into the Bible and we open the word, we begin to like wrestle with this idea that um, Jesus is this fictitious character that's like Bugs Bunny. But, but that's not true because history would say that Jesus was real. That's actually not debated. It's not debated that Jesus was a real person. And when you look throughout all of history, you see that there are many writings about Jesus outside of the Bible about what he did and what he accomplished and what, who people thought he was. In fact, there are other world religions that are almost as popular as Christianity. There's Islam and Muslim and Jewish faiths. They all believe in Jesus. Sometimes I think we look at these other faiths and think that they, they want nothing to do with Jesus, but they actually all revere him. They believe he actually existed. They believe that he did these miraculous things. Often they believe he was this prophet, this great teacher, this moral man who did these amazing miracles. That's written in their books of religion that they read, that they talk about. 
So the fact that he was real is not debated. But was he actually God or not is the question. And did he actually rise up from the dead? That's where we have to begin to wrap our minds around today and this morning. Is not if he was real or not. Not if he was a good teacher or not. Not that he did some really cool, awesome, miraculous things when he was here or not. Because all those things were proven by history. What we have to come to terms with is do we believe he is God? And do we believe he conquered death, hell, and the grave by rising from the dead? See, it's the difference between seeing Christianity as religion and Christianity as a relationship. God didn't send Jesus here to come to establish a religion. He came here to restore a relationship between him and us because we are broken people and we need him. We were created for him. If you remove Jesus out of that, we have nothing. And in fact, I actually was reading a quote this week from a pastor. And, and this broke my heart because as I was reading it, it made no sense to me. And I'm, I'm going to put it up on the screen. I want to read it to you because I want you to wrap your mind around this. If the bones of Jesus were to be discovered, it would be a big finding. It would cause us to adjust our understanding of Christianity, yes. But ultimately, the truth and power of Christianity would remain undisturbed. Listen to this. We would still have all of Jesus' teachings, and we would have all of his stories, and we would have all of his wonderful example of love for the outcast. And even through, though Easter wouldn't be about a physical resurrection of Jesus... We would go on celebrating the example and testimony of this great man of God who lives in our hearts and who inspires us to be kind to others. Even if the tomb wasn't empty, our hearts would be full. That's garbage. It's garbage. In fact, Paul, one of the authors of the Bible that the Holy Spirit inspired, wrote that if this were true, if what this guy said were true, that we would be the most foolish beings on planet Earth. This is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 19. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. I want you to bear the weight of that. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, then you and I would be sitting here today misrepresenting God himself. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ and he didn't. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have also fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The question this morning is not, is Jesus a real person and did he really exist? The question is, is he God and did he raise from the dead? Because if he didn't raise from the dead, we would have no hope of rising from the dead. Our preaching and teaching is false and pointless. Our faith is worthless. We are still in our sins. And the people whom we love, who have died, are not in a better place. They are lost forever. Please 
feel the weight of the question, did Jesus raise from the dead? Because our whole faith hinges on the fact that he rose from the dead. So the question is not, do you believe Jesus existed? It's, do you believe that Jesus is God and rose from the dead? Because if Jesus really was God and is God, and he was perfect and is perfect, and he rose from the dead and he's still alive today, then what? Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, grab it. There's some Bibles in the aisles. If you don't have a Bible, I'd love for you to hold the word of God in your hand. I think there's some on the tables in the back there. It's really important you don't take my word for it. We believe this is the word of God. You want to hold this and handle this? Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. And this is the Apostle Paul writing, and Paul was a religious man who was actually persecuting the church of Jesus, because right after Jesus rose from the dead, there was this group of people that went out and started saying he rose from the dead, and then Paul was one of the religious, religious leaders that tried to stop those people from saying that Jesus rose from the dead, and then as Paul was going to uh, find some Christians so that he can throw them in jail and, and have them killed, um, Jesus meets him on that road. And so the, the, the God who he was persecuting, Jesus and, and all the people that were worshiping Jesus that, that he was trying to go lock up, now all of a sudden appears to him and says, why are you persecuting me? And that starts this ministry of Paul where then he goes out and he starts telling people that Jesus is real and he really did rose, raise from the dead. And then now all of a sudden he is stirring up all the other religious leaders and so now we find ourselves with Paul in prison. That's the context of what he's writing. And he's writing to a church that he had started in Ephesus. And he is sitting there in prison and he is being persecuted and, and probably uh, going, walking towards his death in a sense. And he's thinking about this church whom he loves. And he starts writing to them. This is a Gentile church that he is writing to. There's two different people that we see throughout scripture. The Jews who are the chosen people of God. The Israelites. And then there's everybody else. So if you're wondering where you are today, or who you are today, if you're not of Jewish descent, you're one of the other guys. Okay? So you're one of the Gentiles, one of the pagans. All right? Are you offended by that? You're a pagan. Okay? I'm a pagan. So here we go. And, and so Paul is writing to, and he loves them. He loves them deeply. And he says, and you, Gentiles, were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And then verse 3, among whom we, now he's referring to the Jews as well. So he's not just talking to the pagans, but he's actually talking about those who have our Jewish descent, who were the chosen people of God, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. So if he's talking about Jews and Gentiles alike, who's he talking about? Everyone. Every single person. No one's exempt. And so he says, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like all the rest of mankind. So, what do we see here? Humanity is broken. God created man and woman 
so that he can have a relationship with them. And he walked with them and he talked with them and he was intimate with them in ways that we can't even fathom here on this earth right now because of sin. And that man and that woman, Adam and Eve, decided that they were more important and what they wanted and their desires were more important than what God wanted and what God desired. And so they disobeyed God. At that moment which they disobeyed God, there was this tree that God said, do not eat of this because this will only bring you death. They ate of it and severed the relationship between them and God. And so what we're seeing here is the effects of sin, that humanity is broken. And so when he talks about dead, I think sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our minds around this because you're breathing, right? I'm breathing. I'm walking around up here. But there is an active death that this is talking about. It's a spiritual death. It's this, this moment where, where we are blinded by something. The Bible over and over talks again, again about how in our sin we are blind. We are living in darkness. We have a heart of stone. We have a, what, another word for that is a hard heart. And so the things of God that he is trying to pour down and bless humanity with, we are not receiving it. We are not trying to, to, to get it and get hold of it and understand it. In fact, we are rejecting it. And there is a world around us who is trying to put up this barrier between us and him and convince us that what God has for us isn't what's best. That what you want in your heart and in your mind, what is hard and living in darkness, is what's good and right and true. And so he's, he's using these phrases. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. What does that mean? Well, what God says, everything that God says and everything that God is, is life. We have to stop thinking of this as in bad and good, right? Because I think we often use, play the morality game with Christianity. It's not about being good or bad. It's about being dead or alive. And so what it's talking about here is, is what God says is he, it brings life. Anything against what God says will only bring death. And they call that, and the Bible calls that, sin. So we have to stop looking at ourselves as people and the people around us as good or bad people. I, I meet with parents often who have a child that is um, really uh, living a really difficult and hard life. They are doing drugs. They are drinking. They are going out. They want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with faith. They want nothing to do with God. And after they share all those things with, to me about their child who is really hurting and broken and in pain, living in darkness, living in blindness, you know what they always follow it up with? But he's a good kid. He's a really good kid. He's got a good heart. Here's the problem. What the Bible says is that he's dead without Christ. And you and me are dead without Christ. I don't have to convince a young parent of that. Spend any amount of time with a toddler. They're like little terrors. <laughs> they don't listen. They want their own way. My four-year-old cannot wrap her mind around the fact that mom and dad are in charge. Like, she's like, no, dad, I'm the boss. That's the hardness of her heart. That's the sin within her. And unless we have Jesus, we are actively dead. So we are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're following the course of this world. So what the world says, when the world says, this is good, we follow it. And we entertain it. And we believe it. Now, I know I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. It's like the bachelor and the bachelorette. Yeah, I'm, I'm going there. 
Because the world says, hey, this is a good thing. We're going to get 20 women and one guy, let them fight for that guy on public television, let him date all of those people all at the same time, let him sleep with all those people all at the same time, and then we're going to have him choose one of them, and they're going to feel like they're the victor. And we're sitting there, I can't wait for the next episode. Who's going to get the rose? The world says, this is good. And we go, it is? And we start tasting it. Mmm, oh, that, that does taste kind of good. But I have a mentor, friend of mine, Pastor uh, Orlando Cabrera at Summit, and he always used to draw this line out on the floor. And he's like, this is the line where, where we place on the ground, we say, okay, this is bad, this is good. And he's like, so what we do is we try to get so close to that line without going over. And why do we think we end up falling? The Bible doesn't say get as close to the line as possible. It says stay as far away from the line as possible. It says flee from these things. But we're following the course of this world, following the schemes of the devil. You know what the number one scheme of the devil is? Is to convince you that what God says is not best. To convince you that what God desires and what God wants is not best for you. And then it goes one step further and says, but what you want, what you desire, is what's best. Follow that. Following the evil passions and desires. Follow your heart. Do what makes you feel good. So why do we continue to live like this? Well, it's because of pride and selfishness. We're called sons of disobedience in here. Children of wrath. The biggest problem we will ever face in this world is not that we had a really difficult childhood. And I know some of you had really difficult childhoods. I'm sorry that what happened to you happened to you and that your parents or a friend or a coworker or somebody in your life did something that was close to you to hurt you in that way. But it's actually not the biggest problem you will ever face. Maybe it's a, a broken marriage or a lost marriage. Maybe it's um, a business transaction that went south really quick and landed you in trouble or a financial decision that cost you a lot. Those aren't the biggest problems that you will ever face. The biggest problem that every single person in this room can relate to one another in is the biggest problem we will ever face is that we are dead and we need life. So what does this look like? Ethan's going to come on up. Let's hear it for Ethan. Oh, missing the hair up. Sorry. Your picture's later going to be messed up. Can you see? No. No. All right. Good. So, so this is what, we're going to, I'm just going to turn you just a little bit. There you go. So this is what the, the, the world does, like this is what it means to be born into sin. We are living in darkness. We have a hard heart. And then we have the world yelling at us all these things. It's, it's like, um, hey, you know this, uh, this deal coming up. There's some things you're going to have to do to manipulate the numbers and, and some things you're going to have to do to, to make this happen that aren't true. But it's okay because once this deal is over, then, then all that stuff will kind of get wiped under the rug. And so the world starts to convince us and say these things to us and whisper these things in our ear. Or, hey, there's this relationship, and I know it's not uh, the best relationship. I know you're married, Ethan, but, but you know, she's really sweet and kind. Nothing's ever going to happen here. Um, so just, just do this. Just, just go out alone with her and, and grab coffee with her. And, do, and so the world starts whispering these things to us, saying, hey, this is good, this is okay. This, and we start making these little compromises and we start stepping into the things that the world is telling us to do. So take a big step forward. Big step forward. 
right? And so we keep, it keeps telling us. And then all of a sudden, when we're, we're taking these steps into the things that the world is telling us to do that's good, and all of a sudden we hit this resistance, right? All of a sudden this happens. What ends up happening? The, the devil comes alongside. You see what God just did to you there? You see what God just did? God's trying to withhold something from you. There's something good for you, and he's trying to withhold it. And so it's like, no, go ahead, take another big step forward. Take another big step forward. And then it happens again, and we're like, why, God? Why are you doing this to me? Again, another failed relationship. I'm trying to date this guy, and, and I know he's not a Christian, but he's a nice guy, and he takes care of me. And, and now all of a sudden, my heart's broken. And then there's this other guy, and, and he's not a Christian. But, and then we start making these compromises over and over again, while God all along is holding out this gift in front of us. And God is saying, please, take this gift. Now, hit the gift out of my hand. Right? Okay, hit it. Throw it down. Right? And we're throwing it down. And God is trying to give us this stuff. And the world is telling us, no, it's not good for you. It's not good for you. And God is picking it up and placing it in our hands. And, we're, and, and the devil's knocking it out of our hands. But this is what it says. Ephesians 2, 4. But God. I want you to listen to this. But God. Being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he has loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were blind, even when we were walking into things that we have no business walking into, walking to our eternal death and damnation, even while we were in this state, what does it say? Christ made us alive. And so what does this look like? What does it look like? By grace you have been saved. God comes over and rips off the mask that is blinding us, that is causing us to continually step into the things of sin, the things of darkness. And he is standing here, he is hitting us and he's saying, I want you to know life. He is not going to leave us in death. He is not going to leave us in damnation. He has given us the way, and that way his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thanks, Ethan. You take that with you. Are you taking it? Yeah, yeah. There's nothing in it. It's empty. He tears off the blindfold. While we were blind, while we were living in darkness, I love the picture that we see in Isaiah. It says, we have a heart of stone. And he reaches in, and he pulls out a heart of stone, and he puts in a heart of flesh. That is the good news that we see here, that God is love, and he is merciful. God is wooing you. He, have you ever thought that he left eternal perfection? All God ever knew was perfect relationship and perfect harmony between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Being praised day in and day out. Every being in heaven is worshiping God day in and day out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And Jesus leaves that to enter into your mess, your brokenness, your hurt, your pain. And he lives the life that you could never live because what's required of us is perfection. And we can't do it. It doesn't matter if you're a good person, you're still dead without Jesus. And he lives that life for you. And then he dies. 
all of his disciples scatter because they're scared. Really, we thought this guy was going to be this great military leader and he was going to come and he was going to take over the Romans. And then they put him in this tomb. There was a text thread going on this morning with a couple of guys within our church family. They said, you ever notice that the tomb was already empty when the, when the stone was rolled away? I was like, yeah. Jesus didn't need that stone to be rolled away for him to leave that place. He was already gone. He rolled that stone away so that Mary could go in and see it. Church, people, beloved children of God. There is an eternal God who is real. He is not distance, distant. He is not far out there somewhere. He is here. He is now. And he wants a relationship with you. He, he doesn't want to be this kind of afterthought in your life where, you know, every so often, you know, before you sit down for a meal, you just throw up a prayer, hey, God, thanks for this food. Let it nourish my body. I'm gonna, about to have McDonald's. Let it nourish me. I don't know why we even do that. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. Your brokenness, your hurt, your broken relationships, your pain, he entered into that and conquered it all. Not because you deserve it, not because you earned it, not because you could accomplish something. He did it. And when he was about to breathe his last breath, he didn't say, now you pick up the ball and start running with it to be continued. No, he said, it is finished. So, by grace, you have been saved. And he raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Jesus Christ. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. And that gift is not empty like that box. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Humanity is broken. God is love and is merciful. We can experience life in him. He wants us to experience life. Christians, he doesn't want us walking around like mopes. Like we shouldn't be like living our lives like, uh, another day. No, he has caused us to have life. Imagine being blind for so long and then all of a sudden having your eyesight. Do you think you're just going to walk around like, oh great, no, there's a tree. No, he has given you the ability to see that there is hope in this world, that there is good in this world, that there is more to life than just existing, that there is an eternal place called heaven, that we get to worship day and night the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but also our eyes have been opened too to the fact that there is an eternal damnation that is a separation from the God whom we were created to serve for all of eternity, and that is a real place, and there are people in this world that will experience that unless they hear that Jesus is the Son of God, he is God, and he rose from the dead, and they need to hear that from your lips. Please hear this, that we should walk in them. What are those them? God inviting you, inviting you to participate on his mission 
to reach every man, woman, and child with his good news that he has come to seek and save the lost. That's what God has called you and invited you into. You can't profess, I am a Christian. I believe God, Jesus is God. I believe he rose from the dead. And then not go join his mission to go tell every man, woman, and child that you know about that. We are responsible for bringing this good news to everybody. And if we really, if our eyes have really been open and we really understand what he has done for us, that he has brought us from death, that he's removed that blindfold, then we need to tell the world about it. Just like if you were able to see for the first time or hear for the first time or if you were lame and had no legs and all of a sudden now you can stand and get up and start running. We believers, Christian, need to leave this place and go tell everybody that we know in our circles of influence Not just try to invite them to church, but actually you tell them your testimony that God has brought you from death to life and that he wants to do the same for them. Not because of anything that they have done, because of everything that he has done for them. Amen? We can experience life in him, so now we must walk in the newness of life that he has purchased for us. The empty tomb means that God accepted the payment of Jesus on our behalf. It is finished. Now let us go and share that good news with everybody. Amen. Amen. Can I pray for us? Father, what a gift that we have to gather here in a place freely. We're not concerned that um, the army or the police are going to come in here and stop us from, from talking about these things. Yeah, we live in a country that allows us to do this freely. So God, I pray we would never take this for granted. I pray that we would, in, in our lives, that your spirit would stir for us affections that we've never had before. God, often I think we um, come to know you, and then uh, the burdens of life begin to set in on us, and then we forget about the intimacy, and we forget about the excitement that we can experience in a relationship with you. And so we continually pray, God, redo the thing that you once did, God, cre- um, God, replicate that experience I had at church camp or replicate that experience I had when I came to first know you. But God, you are not a replicator. You are a creator. And God, you want to create something new and fresh in every single person in this room today by the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, right now, I pray that you would fall on this place. I pray that you would begin to stir in us affections that we've never even experienced before in our life. God, if there's anybody here today who still has the blindfold on, who is still following the prince of the power of the air, who is still following the course of this world, that right now, God, you would reach into their heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. That you would help them know and realize and understand that there is a God who loves them and wants a relationship with them. And they're not gonna have all their questions answered, God. And I know that for some people here, they need to know all the answers, but God, help put aside their pride and their arrogance and help them understand that they will never be able to fully wrap their minds around who you are and what you've done because you are God and we are not. So God, I pray that your spirit would do what only your spirit can do, which is transform hearts, transform minds, and stir in us a passion to go out and join your mission to seek and save the lost. For our uncles and our aunts, our cousins, our coworkers, our gym buddies, the barista at Starbucks, the lady that checks us out at Publix. God, wherever we go, I pray that we would be your light in the midst of darkness, that we would be a city set on a hill, 
that we would be ambassadors for your good news. God, we love you. We lift this all up in your beautiful name, Jesus.